What's up, guys? This is Danny Langloss, and you're listening to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or review so we can keep growing and help more people. Thank you. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I am joined by Cody Lowry. Cody is an author, speaker, and president of retail at Intermark Advertising. Cody grew up with an abusive alcoholic father. The only resource he had growing up was his gift of the schmooze. He smoothed his way from poor paper boy to successful businessman and developed relationships with some of the most influential people on the planet. His stories will have you dropping your jaw and crying with laughter, but most importantly, you'll learn how to open doors by opening people's hearts. His book, Schmooze, What They Should Teach at Harvard Business School, has been coined the modern day version of Dale Carnegie's iconic work, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Cody's mission is to spread the power of schmooze so everyone, including the little guys, can come out on top. Today, we're going to learn how to take our communication skills to the next level. Cody, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Danny. I'm delighted to be here. I cannot wait for this conversation because you have just some incredible, incredible stories. We're going to talk about your journey and this is all real life stuff. You know, this isn't just academics and research. Like this is tried, right. true, proven. So, so, so exciting. Cody, can you share a little bit about your journey and what's led you to, to where you are today? I'd be happy to. Um, I think it, it might make sense if I can just tell them a little bit about the, the book Schmooze. Not trying to sell it, folks. Um, but it's, um, it's about a guy who has really walked the walk. It's about a guy who was, um, you know, it's a story about a guy that was, uh, came from, um, I guess, riches to rags, because it's not a rags to riches story, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you all about that. And, uh, but it's about building relationship. It's about overcoming adversity. It's about really thinking outside of the box, and I think in uh, your arena, that's what great leaders do, and that's, you know, why they're, they're called great. It's about caring. It's about... Um, it's about having a sense of humor and laughing at yourself. And I know schmooze has got a, uh, uh, sometimes a negative connotation, but it's about being genuine and, and it's about being authentic. And if I, if I may, I'll tell you a little bit about um, how I uh, got started out at 11 years old schmoozing people. And I sold papers for the Miami News uh, in Fort Lauderdale. There's a reason I sold papers at age 11. My mom and dad came from well-to-do families, and by the time I was born, maybe it was my fault, I don't know, but they were out of money, and my, my dad uh, drank quite a bit, and he left us, and my mom, for the first time in her, her uh, life, Danny, had to go to, had to, go to work. And, um, but one thing that she instilled in myself and my siblings is that, you know, maybe we're, you know, we're down on our luck now, but you guys can be anything you want to be. And you got blue blood running through your veins and, you know, and with, with that, uh, little preface off we went and we all got jobs. And so mine was selling papers, um, at the, uh, Sunrise shopping center for the Miami news. Now I, I got to tell you, there's a lot of things that I, I learned selling papers. One that no doesn't mean no. Uh, number two, um, it's, it's a 
kind of a story about overcoming uh, adversity. And then it's also a, a story about caring. And um, so j just real briefly, I used to uh, go after school and I'd get 15 papers and I'd be selling my papers. And it was, uh, it was the, the uh, Blue Street edition of the Miami News, which, you know, I found out once I got into it, that, that really didn't mean a whole lot to most people, you know, the Blue Street edition. And uh, so I would go off and uh, I would sell those 15 papers. And on Saturdays, I would go in and I would get, uh, uh, they would give me 35 papers. And one of the things that I always wanted to do, Danny, was to make sure that I sold all of those papers at the end of the day. And if I had a few papers left at the end of the day, I had, I had a couple of, of options. But as it relates to, you know, really learning persistence, you know, the paper was only a nickel. So I knew even then that, uh, you know, if I wanted to make any, any money at all, I had to sell a lot of papers and, and get some tips. So if I was selling papers and Danny walked by me, I'd say, paper, sir. And if you keep, kept walking by, I'd say, it's the Blue Street Edition, Miami News. Um, and if you kept walking, then I let you have it. I said, would you buy a paper if I told you where you got your shoes, what state you were born in, and how many birthdays you've had? Well, almost anybody would turn around and give me the okay for a nickel, right? And I would say, you got your shoes on your feet, you were born in the state of infancy, and you've only had one birthday the day you were born. So that's how I managed to, you know, sell papers, and most of the times I would sell out. I get to the shopping center uh, one Saturday, and the manager wants me to sell 50 papers. And I pleaded with him, do not give me 50 papers. I can't, I can I just barely sell 35. No, no, you can do it. And, you know, so he talked me into it, right? So that day I walked and I talked to more people. Sometimes I talked to them twice. I, I forgot that I actually uh, had spoken to them. And uh, at the end of the day, it was about six o'clock at night and I was tired and it was getting dark. And I had two options. I could, I could go to Nick's bar, which was a, very upscale bar adjacent to the um, adjacent to the shopping center, and Nick had his own PhD in schmooze. Right, I'd walk in, he'd say, "Hey, kid, give me those papers. We're gonna sell them," you know. And sometimes he didn't even get the name right. He'd say, "Oh, who wants a Herald?" The Miami Herald was a dominant paper at the time in the market. So, um, but I was closer to a, a restaurant called Wolfie's and it was a Jewish delicatessen and across the street. And I, I decided I would go there and try to sell my, my 12 papers. So I get across the street and I'm walking up to Wolfie's and much to my surprise was an older gentleman selling the early edition of the Sunday Miami Herald. Here I was selling the, Saturday edition of the Miami News, and I will tell you this, at the Miami Herald, it was probably the biggest newspaper in the country, including the New York Times. I mean, it was like two or three inches thick, and he had them stacked up to the awning, and, um, uh, you know, he, people were coming out, he didn't have to say anything, and they would buy a paper. So I decided, well, I'll give it the uh, I'll give, I'll, I'll give it a try and see what happens. So I, I parked myself about you know, 10 feet from him and everybody that walked out of that restaurant. I said, Miami News, Blue Street Edition. And I mean, it must have been laughable, right? Um, here I was selling this Blue Street early, you know, the edition of the Saturday Miami News. And he was selling the early edition of the Sunday Miami Herald. And so I was there for about 20 to 30 minutes and I was getting tired. And 
it was getting really dark and this guy comes blowing out of the of the restaurant and he goes right by me and I said paper sir Miami News Blue Street edition and he keeps going and I go after him now I said sir would you buy a paper if I told you where you got your shoes what state you were born in how many birthdays you've had Danny he turned around so abruptly I thought he was gonna hit me and then he looked down at me he said son how many papers do you have left and I said I have 12 papers left sir he said that's exactly how many I want and I want you to go home and that's what I did and I got to tell you at age 11 I started connecting the dots no doesn't mean no right uh, persistence is uh, is is so important in, in life and 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 really for any and any of us and um, and then it's it's about caring it's about caring about the uh, the little guy so that's that's the um, that's the genesis genesis of schmooze in my life. Wow, what a, what an incredible story! And to think at eleven years old, uh, facing some adversity. Your mom sounds just like an incredible, incredible woman, and I can. She see was when, indeed. You know, when when I see you bring her up, I can see you light up, which is such an incredible thing. So the, the one thing that I find incredibly interesting and relatable to our topic on leadership. And when you talk about the book, you talked to us about building relationships, overcoming adversity, thinking outside the box, caring, having a sense of humor, being able to laugh at ourselves, being genuine and authentic. And those are all really important qualities of a leader. You know, and I thought maybe if it's okay with you, we might walk through some of these and you might tie sure. some stories to them. Let's talk sure. about building relationships. What are some of the secrets? What are some of the keys what are some of your keys to building relationships so that's a, that's a big strength and and um we have clients on the books danny that have been with us for 30 years and people say well how is that possible and i tell them it's about the secret sauce it's about building relationships it's about getting them to trust you and then it's about never ever letting them down Building the relationships, when I, when, I, uh, when I bring that up, a lot of times people think, well, you build a relationship in a, in a week, in a year, and, or you know, two years. What is that all about? Actually, you build the relationship in the first 30 seconds that you meet somebody. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that you got to consider, consider. And the, the one uh, quote that I, uh, I use for, for this particular uh, part of the, my, my speech is you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And a lot of people will get into a meeting and they, they try to wing it and it doesn't work. And, and getting to uh, my original point of building that relationship in the first 30 seconds, I will tell you that, that part of uh, the relationship building changed my career. And I'll tell you a little little story about that. I'm in the advertising business for the people, uh, uh, for your listeners out there. And um, specifically, we do a lot of automotive uh, advertising. I got a call from a, a Toyota dealer in North Carolina and a, a, a guy that I had become very acquainted with when he was in Florida and with a with a Chevrolet dealership. And he said, the Toyota dealers are getting together at the Grove Park Inn and you know, it'd be great if you came up and met him and who knows, maybe we get some business or you could get some business. And I said, sure, I'd, be, I'd love to do that. 
So um, about two weeks later, I was uh, on a plane headed for North Carolina, uh, got to the uh, Grove Park Inn. It was about, it was about, you know, it was after six and I was already a little late because the, the cocktail party started at six and, and you've been to a million of these or many of these functions, you know, how they start, you know, and the, the pre COVID period, you know, you walk in before you talk and there's a, you know, they have a big reception, what have you. So anyway, I get into uh, the dining room and there I have the 10 Toyota dealers from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I start building relationships quickly. You know, what, one of the things that I think is, is given me the edge in, in, in business, Danny, is when I go in to make a presentation or I go in to, to uh, you know, see uh, a new CEO or what have you, I know a lot about them because I've done my homework. I've, uh, you know, I know the college they went to. I know my kids they went to. I know the country club he went to. So it's all about, you know, trying to get on a common ground. And that's what I did for the next uh you know, two hours as I, um, you know, had the cocktail party and eating dinner. And, you know, I, um, I think we mentioned this in the front end. I'm, I, I'm an ex stand-up comedian. So I'm, I'm the guy with the lampshade on his head. And, you know, I, I kind of entertain the, the guys and tell them, uh, good, clean stories. Um, I don't believe you have to walk across that, that line, but in any event, I have, uh, um, I'm at dinner and, uh, you know, it's getting late. And one of the guys said, who, who did you bring with you? And I thought that was a real odd question. Who did I bring with me? And I said, I didn't bring anybody with me. And they said, really? Well, what my buddy forgot to tell me is, is that the following morning, there was a full-blown presentation for the Charlotte Toyota dealers account, multi-seven-figure account, okay? And there were three other agencies uh, that we're going to be presenting, and I was going to be the fourth presenting, and I thought, my gosh, I don't have, you know, I don't have a, a media proposal. I know our media strategy, but I didn't know anything about Char the Charlotte market. I didn't have any custom creative. I knew our creative strategy, but, you know, I, again, I, I didn't have any creative with me. I didn't have all of those things, you know, the storyboards and the, the media people and the entourage. And then in our business, you know, there's always parting gifts, you know, and I, I had none of that. I had, you know, a business card and I had uh, some of your listeners may remember a VHS. I had a VHS with a very, very hot reel and it was, it was good. And, and I got to tell you, I, I didn't back off and I went up to my room that, that night. I thought, my God, I can't do this. This is, this is crazy. I'm going to get blown out of the water. And then I thought, you know what? This is what you do, Cody. This is, this is a moment you've been waiting for, and it's an opportunity. And, you know, it's an experience, another experience you'll get. And so next morning, I'm, uh, I'm out in the lobby, and I'm meeting some of the other agencies. And, I mean, they're, they're ready to go. You know, they got the, the big portfolios and the storyboards and, you know, the, the media people and what have you. And um, I was to go on last and in advertising, I'll give you a little secret. You either want to go on first or you want to go on last. And, and I always like last. So uh, they came and they got me and um, I'd been out there for about almost three hours and I went in and Danny, when I went into the uh, room, it was amazing. It was like old home week. Cody. Hey buddy, how you doing? That was fun last night. 
and, and just everybody going back and they're coming up and shaking my hands and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I thought, well, this is a good sign. So I got up there with, with, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, my, uh, gift of gab and ability to tell them who we were, what we are and what we do. And when I, when I uh, left, they gave me kind of a, you know, a little tiny applause. And so I go out into the lobby and I'm waiting the rest for the rest of the uh, crew. And, and uh, here comes uh, the treasurer and he says, Cody, we want to see you um, in the, in the meeting room. And I go in and they close the door and they said, congratulations, you've got the account. And they all stood up and they applauded. And I've, I've looked at that particular uh, uh, situation many, many times. And if, if you really look at it, I had a big advantage over everybody else. Okay. Everybody else that walked into that room, Danny was a stranger to them. They didn't know who they were and, or what they did. And, you know, even if they told them they had no opportunity to really, you know, build a relationship. And that was my advantage. I had the advantage the night before to go in and build a relationship with those guys. So really I was sitting in the catbird seat and I didn't even know it. Wow. That's an incredible story. The power of relationships. I've got a formula for, for leadership and it's a very simple formula. People I think try to make this way too complex. Leadership is influence. Influence is founded in relationships. Yeah. Relationships are founded in trust. Right. You don't have trust. You don't have relationships. You don't have relationships. You don't have influence. If you don't have influence, there's no leadership. And so this whole relationship and trust building and some things I heard from this story, which is just an incredible story. I just love hearing you talk um, is you, you paid the preparation price. You knew a lot about the people you were going in to meet. You cared enough to do that, that research. Second thing, and that drive drove to connection. You were able to establish quick connections because you had prepared, right? And then the right. third thing that ties into that and that I hear from you is it comes so much positivity, so much positive energy. And, you know, we talk a lot in leadership about, do you want to be a thermometer or do you want to be the thermostat? The thermometer <laughs> yeah. moves up and down based on the temperature of the room. The thermostat sets the environment, sets the temperature, and you went in and you, you set that uh, and set that tone. And then even though in the next day people might have come in with more fancy things or teams, you know, you'd built those relationships. And, and that's really important. And people can see the genuine, true you. So that story, I think, brings to life so many important components of relationship building and, and as it ties into leadership into what our message is, just to, just to yeah. Make- and if if I if I may, Danny, I'd like to just you know the the secret sauce: build the relationship, get them to trust you, and never let them down. Yeah. And and the trust is is so important, and that's the foundation of everything. It's the foundation of relationships. It's the foundation of brand. It's it's um, you know, it's key in in everything we do. And and um. You know, I'm in the uh, as I said, the advertising business, and over the years, I've had account executives or creative people or media people come to me, and and believe it or not, on occasion we screw up, and sometimes we screw up big, and um, they'll come in, they say, oh, you know, the media was supposed to run, or oh, we ran the wrong creative, or you know, we didn't do this, we didn't, you know, what what should we tell the client? Because they're all they're all very fearful of you know losing the account, 
and I, and I, and I look them right in the eye and I said, tell them the truth. No white lies. White lies, you know, turn into, you know, medium sized lies and then they're big lies and then nobody knows who's on first. Right. And so you have to get the customer's, um, trust and and I can tell you with relationships and it's not just one account we've got we've got what we call tier 2 advertising which is groups of dealers we've had them for for 20 years and and uh, when you when you have their trust you you really become more than than um than than just a supplier i mean you are clearly um a partner so much so that I get invited to weddings when I, when I, uh, you know, the pre COVID period, you know, I'm in, I'm in a market and they don't want me to stay at a hotel Although between you and me, I would much prefer to stay at a hotel, but they want me to stay at their house and they want to have the dinner and, and the what have you, you know, you don't do that with, with people that, that you don't trust. And, and then it goes to the third one, never, ever, ever let them down. And that's where the caring comes in. Do you care about your clients? Do you care about the mission you're on? Or are you just, you know, going through a, you know, a spasm, so to speak? And, um, you know, one of the things, and, I, and I'm, I, I think it's, um, uh, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to impart this on a lot of my, the, the people that work for me. You know, you got to care. You got to care about your clients and be there for them. We're in an arena, uh, a niche automotive where, um, if they call you Sunday morning, um, you know, you pick up the phone and I can tell you that I pick up the phone many times. You look down, you go, and, and I've gone, Oh no, it's, it's Danny. Oh no, not Danny. And, <laughs> and you know, now I've got a choice. I can either pick up the phone and talk to Danny or I can, um, you know, hit not here, not available. Can I call you later? All those kinds of things. I always pick up the phone, even if, you know, maybe I'm Danny's blankie. Okay. And he just wants to, you know, he needs some reassurance. You know, they didn't sell any cars on Saturday and he wants to know that Monday is going to be a better day. And, you know, I know he's calling me for a reason. So I always, always pick up the phone and I talk to him. And so it's, it's a uh, secret sauce. It's building relationships, getting the customer to, to uh, trust you and then never letting them down. And, and uh, I think that's something that uh, is good advice for all of us. It is, it is. And, and I, I reframe and as people listen to this, I want you to, to substitute the word customer for team members. Um, there you go. Because you, you have to earn, and I say earn the trust and the respect of our team members. We're no longer in a society or in an age where people are going to trust because of a title or a position or authority. Matter of fact, a lot of people distrust those things. And so we have to work harder to build that trust. When we talk about never letting them down and caring, you know, caring is so essential. And, and people can tell if you're genuine or if you're not genuine. We've got to care about our team members. We've got to care about the mission we're on what we're trying to accomplish, developing and in, in investing in them. And, and it's such a, such a big, big thing. You always got to pick up the phone. Like when your people need you, you have to be there for them. Right. Secret sauce, man. Just love this, Cody. Love it, love it, love it. So, and I don't know how you tie some of these things in, but there, there's a couple of things. So for our, when, when we were doing some prep work and getting Cody to come on the show and you can see why we wanted Cody to come on. He's just an amazing, amazing human being. 
he, he's, he's got some different stories, and I think they tie directly into this overcoming adversity, thinking outside the box, having a sense of humor. But you, you arranged – do I have this right? You arranged an audition on Saturday Night Live in two days. Yeah, no, I just made that up. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, Tell us that story. I, yeah, well, I was um, – I, I took a, my, my grandfather um, – who uh, has a high school in Detroit named after him, Frank Cody High School, and he was the first president of Wayne State University. He said, never expect anything out of a man until he's 30. So at the time, I had already graduated from college, and I was, uh, I was 24, and you know, I was in theater and speech productions and kind of the, the class clown from first grade on through you know, my senior year in college. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this stand-up comedy. I think I can do this. And so um, at the, uh, you know, my wife was, was not crazy about this at the time, I can tell you that. But in any event, I, uh, I started doing stand-up comedies. And it was a time, Danny, where you didn't, um, you know, you didn't really have any consistent paid gigs. If you got an honorarium here, it was okay. If you got an honorarium there. Um, but uh, I was into it about, um, I don't know, six months. And I had raw talent and, you know, I really hadn't paid my dues, so to speak. But my wife and I were going to head out to to Las Vegas and uh, um, probably start my career there. But I wanted to go to New York, and I wanted to go to New York for a lot of reasons. I mean, that was that was the home of of comedy. It was uh, the home of Catch a Rising Star, Saturday Night Live, uh, the Improv, and you know all those great comedians that that uh, of my era that that came through there, including you know Robin Williams, and and I mean just a whole host of of comedians. And so, with very very um, modest funds. Um, I went to New York and I was going to stay up there for about a week and, you know, kind of kick the tires. And the first day I went to um, uh, the improv and um, I don't know what it was. I don't get intimidated easily, but uh, I was a bit intimidated. They had some, you know, great acts, not big names, but um, um, I thought, well, this is a little too hip for me, I think. But uh, and then the next day, uh, next night, I went to Catch a Rising Star, and that's a great story. You know, I went in and I told the the uh, guy that was uh, was running the uh, the bar or, or the uh, bar restaurant. I told him who I was, Cody Lowry, Tampa, Florida. Did impressions and what have you, and I'd like to see if I couldn't get on tonight. And um, you know what? He put me on. And there was probably eight comedians in front of me. And it was when you walked in, there was a, there was a bar there. And that's where the comedians kind of hung out. And then there was a, the showroom, which was, was kind of small. So uh, it was just about my turn to go on. And um, somebody came up to me and they said, hey, listen, we've got another gentleman who uh, needs to um, get on. He's going to be on Johnny Carson, uh, tomorrow night. And, um, um, you know, he needs to practice some material. So he got up there and, um, I'd rather not mention his name, but he opened for Frank Sinatra for, he did so many shows and he did, he did, uh, Johnny Carson show for the tonight show, you know, probably 40 or 50 times. But anyway, he got up there and he bombed. And as he was bombing, the audience went from, you know, a, a real high to a real low. And, and I'm thinking, gosh, here I am. I'm going up next. He stopped um, 
his act in, in the middle of the, uh, the show and he put the microphone back in. He said, I'm going to um, leave now. He says, I apologize. I've got to go work on some new material. And with that, they came, they shook me. You're next, you're next, you know? And now, ladies and gentlemen, here he is from Tampa, Florida. Give it up for, you know, Cody Lowry. And I went in and, and I'm a very aggressive type comedian, you know, and I go to the tables and rant and rave. And, and um, I did a, uh, I did, I did pretty good. And, and while the William Morris agency wasn't, you know, waiting for me in the wings with a contract, I, I really felt like I kind of held my own, which maybe gave me the impetus to come up with this crazy idea. You know, I got another day here in New York. I think, you know what, I'll audition for Saturday Night Live. Sometimes being naive is, is pretty good, right? You don't think about all the what ifs, right? So I'm, um, next day I get on the phone, I call uh, Saturday Night Live and, um, would like to talk to a guy by the name of John Head. I found out who the guy was um, in charge of creative. And um, they told me to call back. And I did call back. They put me right through to him. And I said, I'm from, uh, Mr. Head, I'm from Tampa, Florida. I'm only going to be up here like another day. I said, I'd like to come by an audition. And I think I have something you really like. And uh, I said, you know, I do impressions. And one of the impressions I do is is Jimmy Carter and I don't think Rich Little does Jimmy Carter and if this guy becomes president and it looks like he might um, you're gonna need a Jimmy Carter and he said he said that sounds great you know he said he said give me a call tomorrow let me let me see if I can't put you on the uh, on my schedule and I knew I had like a day left right so I called and I called and I called and I called I bet you I called him eight times and every time I called he was he was not available, and th this is persistence runs through the book, and this is a great story on persistence. So I thought about that, and uh, I was just ready to give up, and I said, you know what? Um, maybe he's listed in the book, and sure enough, that was before the you know the advent of cell phones, and he, you know, he was listed in the book, John Head, out in Long Island, and so I called him up. It was about seven o'clock at night, and he answers the phone. I said, Mr. Head, this is Cody Lowry. And he, he paused and he goes, you are unbelievable. And because uh, <laughs> he must have seen all the messages, you know, that day that I was calling him. And um, so he, we set up a time for me to audition the next day. Um, and I will never forget this day. I go to Rockefeller Center. I'm going up the elevator to, I can't remember exactly what floor it was, where they filmed the, you know, Saturday Night Live and, and I was so nervous and so, you know, anxious, you know, I, my mouth, I need a glass of water and what have you. But I get off of the elevator and I don't know what it was, Danny, but there was a sense of calmness that almost like I'm home. This is good. And um, they, uh, I told them I was here to see John Head and they, they put me in a, a room and it had, didn't have a stage per se, but it had a platform where I guess they did their routines and what have you. And, and uh, here comes Mr. Head and a, and a real nice gentleman, an English chap. And um, he says, you know, show me what you got, you know, that, that deal. So I went through, I had a fast sell on vasectomy, you know, a do-it-yourself kit for $14.95 that included antiseptic gauze scalpeling while they last, a wind button from the Association of um, Voluntary Sterilization. And I had, uh, you know, different impressions I did. And then I did my Jimmy Carter. My name is Jimmy Carter. I always tell the truth. 
if I will tell a lie, I go another tooth. Now, a lot of people think I'm prejudiced, and it went on, you know, and he loved it. And uh, he wasn't rolling on the floor, but he was just grinning from ear to ear. And then he, um, he called two other people uh, into the room. He said, do the Jimmy Carter routine again. And, and I did, and they laughed, and, and I never really, you know, one of them could have been Michael's, I don't know, but uh, they left without any really formal introduction. Mr. Head told me to, you know, hey, stick around, let's see if he becomes president, and uh, I'll catch you at the clubs. Well, I, uh, I left New York, um, I only had a day left, and I was out of money. So I couldn't, couldn't stay up there too long. And then my, my career took off in another direction. But I guess that whole story is about, you know, persistence. Because, um, you know, so many, so many things happen after the, not just the first no, but the second, the third, the fourth. And, you know, I, I picked up a big, big account about four years ago. And the agency was laughing at me that I was even going after them because they were difficult and so on and so forth. And, you know, I stuck with it for about a year, invited the guy to lunch, did the, you know, and just kind of build that relationship. That was, uh, I didn't endear him to me in the first uh, 30 seconds, but, you know, over time he got the light. Next thing you know, we end up with the, with a very, very big account. And so I think persistence is something that, you know, we need to teach, uh, we need to teach our kids, our grandkids and, you know, tell them to stick with it, make things happen. No, I love that. Persistence is so important. We've got to understand that there's always a way. And it's, it's really about how we see it, right? What lens we see it through. Simon Sinek talks about some people see the obstacle, some pe- see the prize. Those who see the obstacle get the obstacle. Those who see the prize get the prize. And then, and then the other thing is if, if we can see and visualize things, we can become it. We can bring that to life. And the story of persistence, and I've, I've, I've had situations through my career we just got to be persistent. You just got to keep taking that next step and that next step. You just got to look at things from a little different angle. Um, you know, with you and this story with Mr. Head, you know, you, you called into the business line and it wasn't working. You're like, Hey, I'm going to check the book and you find his number in the book and you give him a call. And the next thing you know, you're there and it's a big deal. Uh, and you had to be so excited to step into Rockefeller center uh, in, into the studio at Saturday Night Live and have that opportunity. And while at the end of the day, you, you didn't end up on Saturday Night Live, you've had that moment, I'm sure is a foundational point, which is why you tell the story and why you share it about the success and the continued success you've had in your career. And may I say this to you? I mean, I was raw talent, raw, raw, raw. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have the like I, I said earlier, I didn't pay the dues that, you know, a lot of these guys did, um, uh, you know, years doing clubs and then all of a sudden they break through. So really I had no business being there auditioning for Saturday Night Live, but again, it was persistence that, uh, uh, made it happen. And who knows, you know, had I stayed in New York and, uh, um, you know, done Jimmy Carter, I, I may have gotten a spot and who knows what that would have led to. So, yeah. Can you, can you talk to us about, I love that story. I love that story. We're going to get an, at least one more. And if not two, before we get going, because when you look at the list of these things, it's just so amazing. Can you talk to us about overcoming adversity? One of these stories that you have relate directly to that. Yeah. And I, I think um, uh, part of that, that story is, um, uh, you know, being raised as a kid and overcoming adversity. I've got some, some, 
adversity stories that are that are not in the book, like my first partner, uh, you know, cleaning out the bank account and leaving me with uh, almost a half a million dollars in debt. And and I can um, I can remember what, like it was yesterday. I met with the attorneys, Danny. I haven't told this story, <laughs> but I met with the attorneys and um, one of the young attorneys says, well, we'll just file bankruptcy and, uh, you know, you can open up tomorrow under a new name and so on and so forth. And I said, you know, that's that's not really going to something that I want to do. And they said, well, you have to do it because you will, it'll take you forever to dig out of this hole and blah, blah, blah. And so I listened to them and I didn't tell them that I wasn't going to do it, but they left. And the more I thought about it, I said, I'm not going down that avenue. And, um, so I found a way I went to the TV stations that we owed this money to and, um, asked, uh, them to put uh, me on a payment program and, you know, that I wanted to continue this career. And, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want them to have to pay for the mistake of, uh, you know, my partner. And, and I, and I, if I could leave your, your audience with, I think is a great quote, and this is in, in the book, it's a Japanese proverb fall down seven times, get up eight. And I think my, my life has been, um, in large part, uh, that whole quote. I mean, I have been kicked to the curb and, and people out there listening to our, your podcast right now, they've been kicked to the curb. And I think the important thing for them to know is that there's, there's a new dawn and there's tomorrow. And, and you know what, it's not the end of the world and you can pick your, yourself up by your bootstraps and, and, and just charge. And, um, so as, as far as, uh, adversity, yeah, I've got, and then I've got some stories. I, I can't even share with you <laughs> and, they, and they are not in the book, but, um, and, and we all go through that, right? I mean, you could, you can, I'm, I'm from Tampa, so you could, you go to Tampa stadium and you know, the, the world, you could fill up the, the, the stadium with, with people that have, you know, had struggle in their life and, and, and struggle is good struggle. Uh, cause struggle gives you balance and, and balance is good. Um, so, uh, as far as, uh, adversity, um, yeah, I, um, uh, I've had a lot of it, you know, and, and today in, in, in the COVID era we live in, there's so much adversity, there's so much challenge. And, and one of the things that, that, that we say a lot is challenge equals opportunity and the greater the challenge, the greater the opportunity, you know, and we've really got to reframe the things that are before us. Um, you know, that whole idea that, you know, resistance builds strength, you know, the, the old saying that, that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and, and having the mindset and understanding and knowing that, you know, we talked about this a little bit ago, there's always a way. And you said there's, there's always tomorrow. I mean, if we still are taking breaths in, we've still got a chance. And the other thing, when we talk about adversity and when your partner, walks away and, and, and takes a half million dollars out of the account. That's, that's a big, that's a big thing, but look, there, there's always a way, right? And, yep. and we've got to pull ourselves back when we talk about overcoming adversity from the actual moment, right? And, and think about things bigger picture. Like what's this actually going to mean in six months or a year in two years, because we're here for a long time and we right. can't let things overwhelm us that are only going to be big deals for a day or a couple days or a few weeks. Um, and so there's just so much going on right now. And I think overcoming adversity is a pretty, you know, it's a pretty important thing. 
So Cody, you, there's, so there, there's different stories. I'm going to read off the different ones and then I want you to pick the one that, that you, that you think maybe is one of your favorites as we, as we Oh, there's so to. many I can't decide. No, I know, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm so kidding. setting up a meeting with the president in one week. I thought that was really interesting. Carrying the torch in the Olympic games, being gifted a Super Bowl ring by an NFL hall of famer and getting an autographed baseball from the Pope. Well, let's start with the president. Uh, I think in our early um, communication, you talked about that. Um, I was general sales manager before I got in the advertising business, general sales manager for a, a large Chevrolet store. The dealer was Anthony Abraham, um, who was just an unbelievable, unbelievable businessman and wonderful man. He, along with Danny Thomas, uh, he was there to help uh, start the, you know, St. Jude and and um, his family is still in, involved. Uh, Mr. Mr. Abraham has, has left us. But back in the Jimmy Carter days, um, you know, he was having a rough time of it. Inflation was at 13% and, and um, uh, interest rates were crazy. And um, I mean, he was just having a rough time of it. And Walter Annenberg, Republican, um, philanthropist, uh, started Reader's Digest and what have you. It bothered him a lot that our president was taking it on the chin the way he was. And, and as I said, he was a Republican. Mr. Abraham was a Republican. But he wrote an article and it was called A Summer of Discontent. And it was, it was, uh, it covered a whole full page, um, uh, ad in the, in the Miami Herald, the, the Tampa Tribune, the St. Pete Times. But the thrust of the article, Danny, was that, you know, whether you like this president or, or you don't, right now we're in difficult times and he's our only president. So let's get behind him. And when Mr. Abraham saw it, he was taken back by it. And, and in those three newspapers, he ran full page ads with a summer of discontent. And I, we were in a management meeting. The president was coming to to uh, to Tampa to um, for a political rally. Back then, those weren't uh, like the rallies today. But he he was uh, coming to town, and I just casually mentioned. I said, you know, while he's here, I said, why don't we see if we can, you know, from a PR standpoint, let's see if we can't set up a meeting with uh, the president. And they all looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. I was thinking about that article, A Summer of Discontent, and I was thinking about getting it, um, uh, putting it um, mounted, mounted on, uh, on you know, a plaque and, and then having an opportunity to give it to the president. So um, they all kind of poo-pooed the idea. And then the, the owner's son, Tommy Abraham, he said, well, Cody, why don't you see what you can do? <laughs> and so that's what I did. And uh, I called Jody Powell's office. It was one of the few names I knew, but that was jo Jody Powell was uh, president's uh, right-hand guy. And he switched me to this office and then they switched me to that office. And, and finally they, they, uh, they sent me to the scheduling office. Everybody's trying to get rid of me. Okay. They didn't know who this nut was, but um, <laughs> they, nobody wanted to uh, turn me down. Right. Or hurt my feelings. So I got, uh, I got on the phone with this, uh, gentleman, really nice guy. And I told him what I wanted to do. And I, he says to, he said to me, Danny, he said, do you have any idea how many people want to meet with the president of the United States and you want to do it in one week? And I said, well, that's probably true, but you could count on one hand, 
on one finger, how many people just ran full page, full color ads, a summer of discontent in three of Florida's largest newspaper in, in a state that is going to be critical to the president in the upcoming election? And now he starts tap dancing. And now um, he says, well, listen, I'll, uh, I'll call you back tomorrow. And he, I, got, he got, I, I gave him a number. He called me back. And he said, Cody, um, there's a, somebody in the market right now. Her name is Keish Legrand. And why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, give her a call and tell her your story and, you know, so on and so forth. So I called Keish. And by that time, they'd done their homework. You know, they – they knew that that I worked for Mr. Abraham, and they knew that he was a big uh, Republican donor, and they also realized that he had run those ads um, in um, in those three newspapers. And so she was she was very nice on the phone. She says, "You know, I still don't have." Um, a good idea of, of what you're trying to pull off here. She said, could you come by the hotel? So I'm, I've always been involved in politics and uh, I'm always intrigued by it. I'd never had an opportunity to really get behind the scenes and see what happens. And um, so I went to the hotel and I went in and they had three rooms, you know, adjoining rooms and all people were on the phone talking to this representative and that Senator. And it was, it was really kind of exciting. And, and I got with Keish. And um, I told her the whole story. And I said, yeah, we'd like to, you know, an opportunity to present uh, the president with a plaque. And um, she said, well, she said, let me see what I can do. And I'll give you a call tomorrow. Now, this is where the schmoozing comes in, Danny, because we have a iconic um, bakery in town. It's called Alessi Bakery. And they have the most unbelievable bakery goods, including most unbelievable cheesecakes you ever um, you ever put in your mouth, right? So I got two big cheesecakes, and I had them sent up to the room with a little note. And it said, Dear Quiche, thank you for your time today. You know, whether you can, we can pull this off or not, I just want to thank you and, you know, have a good stay in Tampa. The next day, I'm in the, uh, in my desk, at my desk, and you know, I think they're playing with me. The, the uh, receptionist comes on. She goes, Cody, the, the White House is on the phone or something crazy like that. I'm thinking, oh, brother, this is somebody <laughs> playing a joke on me. So I pick up the phone and it's Keish. She said, Keish, I've got some great news. She said, Cody, I've got some great news for you. We've reached, we've uh, arranged for a meeting with you and Mr. Or not you, but with Mr. Abraham. And, um, she was telling me all the things that we that we had to do, mostly related to security. And I said, Keish, is there any way that I might be able to, you know, go with Mr. Abraham? She says, Cody, that's not going to be possible. And she was very quick, a matter of fact, and she's going through the routine. And when she ended, I said, Keish, is there any way I could go with Mr. Abraham to meet the president? And there was a pause. And she said, Cody, I'll handle it. Thanks for the cheesecake. And that was, that was it. So, you know, when we look at the word schmooze, sometimes it's got a negative term and that's, that's, you know, schmooze comes from the Yiddish word, which means schmooze and to chat idly in a friendly, persuasive manner. And it's usually the glad handing that, you know, people uh, uh, think about. And, and, you know, I've redefined the word schmooze, but with that said, it's not so bad to do uh, a little schmoozing, you know, with the uh, original connotation. No, what, what a story. Wow. What, what a story. So, so Cody, what, what is your definition of schmooze? 
So my definition of schmooze, and it's funny, I just did a, um, uh, a, a uh, speech. It was a, a virtual speech in a studio, and um, I had never done one of those before. It went off good, but they, we, there was like six slides, and you may have seen it in, the, um, in, in, a, in one of the videos, but the, the publishers attributed 25 different things, uh, attributes to, to the book Schmooze. And, you know, it's, it is about persistence. It's about building relationships. It's about laughing at yourself. It's about having a sense of humor. It's about all of these things. But when I, when I look at, when I look at, at the book and, and to answer your question and then look at the reviews that I've had, you know, um, it's, it's really about three things. It's, it's, Obviously, persistence is one. Number two is is having a sense of humor, and and number three is looking out for the little guy. And I know we haven't talked about that too much today, but uh, there's some some wonderful stories in there um, that um, will will really let the listener know just just um, how important that is in life. And it's not all about you. Um, and, and so sometimes I'm called a softy and an easy mark and what have you. And, and that's fine. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, you know, it, it's funny in, in the framing and the shaping of that, but you're anything but those things. You're, you're just a brilliant, creative person. I've really enjoyed this conversation today. Cody, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Danny. It was, it was wonderful. And, um, uh, um, as they say in our business, more to eleven. So more to so so. Cody is the author of Schmooze: What They Should Teach at Harvard Business School, and and this book is, is just a compilation of so many incredible stories. But he's really driving home the importance of these things that are so important to leadership: building relationships, overcoming adversity, thinking outside the box, caring, having a sense of humor, being able to laugh at ourselves, being genuine and authentic. Through his stories, he's, he's shown us and displayed the, the power of persistence and the importance of paying the preparation price. We've got to be prepared. If you want to learn more about Cody, his information is linked in the podcast description. Uh, if you're listening to this um, you know, through the LinkedIn feed, we'll be breaking down things and lessons from our conversation and from his philosophy. So our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found the episode helpful, please consider subscribing so you never miss another episode. Give us a rating or a review. Share it with your network. This truly helps us help more people. If you're interested in receiving more cutting-edge leadership information, you can subscribe to our email list on our website. We promise not to overwhelm your inbox. The direct link to that's in the podcast description. Again, thank you for joining us today. And remember, always be committed to excellence.